Thursday and welcome to the Colby Daniels podcast presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products. You can visit their website, abotanicalcompany.com or give them a call 405-458-9699. Educate yourself on their line of natural medicine products and how they can benefit your life on a daily basis. It's easy to navigate the website. You can order online, safe and easy pickup. So again, just do your research or ask them questions. Uh, pick their brain about how how what they have can help your daily issues. Again, Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City, abotanicalcompany.com. All right, we are two days away from the return of college football for Oklahoma. Obviously, Oklahoma Baylor, 7 p.m. kickoff in Norman. Mike Steely and I will have pregame coverage on Saturday at 5 o'clock, so tune in for that at Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter. I will tweet that, that streaming link at 5 o'clock, and you can join us for an hour of pregame coverage two hours prior to Oklahoma's kick against Baylor. Oklahoma State also in action this weekend against TCU. The play-by-play voice of the Baylor Bears, John Morris, is going to join us to, to give us the Baylor perspective on this matchup. And then Drew Davison from the Fort Worth Star-Telegram covering TCU is going to give us the TCU perspective for the Oklahoma State matchup. So that is what we have in store for today's episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast. My guest is the play-by-play voice of the Baylor Bears. He is John Morris. John, first and foremost, we haven't spoken since uh, the beginning of the football season, but how have you been? How have the last few months been? It's been, I think for the most part, a pretty wild ride, but but thankfully, as we talked about at the beginning of the season, we've we've kind of gone through this thing for the most part unblemished. Yeah, Colby, great to be on with you. Great to visit with you again. And, uh, you know, just every day, every week is an adventure. Uh, this one, Baylor and OU, you know, getting to the starting line is going to be a win. Just to get the kickoff on Saturday is going to be a win right there. So it has been uh, a season unlike any other, just with all the uncertainty and changes and potential changes and uh, all of that. But uh, I'm just glad we've had a season. I'm glad uh, we've had uh, games this year and looking forward to this one Saturday. You know, as far as Baylor's season, kind of a rough start with a new head coach, new coaching staff out of the gate. They have to cancel a game. How did that rocky start maybe, you know, put them behind the eight ball a little bit just kind of at at the very beginning of this thing? Well, it did. Uh, We won our first game of the year. That was against Kansas and won it impressively and then dropped five straight before winning this past week against Kansas State. But, uh, you know, you consider everything Baylor had to go through, and it wasn't just Baylor, but everybody going through uh, all of this uh, pandemic and protocols. But Baylor doing it with a new head coach and a new coaching staff, and they didn't have spring practice. You know, that I think that was really huge. Uh, and I think that sort of played out uh, as the games were uh, going on, that, you know, it's a new offensive system, a new defensive scheme, new head coach who does things his own way, which is just a good thing. But you didn't have that get-to-know-you phase in, in the spring. So I think Baylor really has uh, been learning and improving on the fly. And uh, the last three games, uh, the win over Kansas State this week, before that, close losses to Iowa State, Texas Tech. I think this team is really starting to hit its stride here. And a big part of that was, you know, they're just now getting to, to a grasp of the offense and the defense and a grasp of what Coach Randa wants done here. Yeah, that was maybe the biggest surprise for me because when we talked before the season, you know, you had mentioned they were losing nine of their 11 defensive starters. Certainly the defense was the strength of the team a year ago. And when you looked at the offense and Charlie Brewer coming back, I think at least for my expectations, the offense was going to carry the load this year. And they've kind of struggled throughout the season. And the defense, 
I, I know a lot of those guys got playing time a year ago, even though they weren't designated starters, but they were, they've kind of been a pleasant surprise to me. I didn't really expect that they were going to be the strength again this year. Yeah, uh, we had hopes of that happening, but you never know. I mean, as you mentioned, the defense was so good last year. Led the Big 12 in total defense last year. Played the championship game against Oklahoma. Um, but but nine, of the, uh, nine of the 11 starters were gone from last year. So uh, then factor in Terrell Bernard, who was one of the guys back, one of the starters back, he and Raleigh Tejada. Uh, then Terrell Bernard gets hurt middle of the season, and he's out for the year because he lost him. He was leading the Bears, leading the league in tackles, averaging about ten and a half tackles per game. So that was a big loss. So you throw that in there, but again, the defense has been uh, even giving, given all those circumstances, they have been amazingly consistent this year, and really they've been, you know, overall the most consistent side of the ball for Baylor this year. How hands-on is Dave Aranda with that defense? Because I know for a lot of offensive or defensive coordinators, you know, once they get that head coaching job, sometimes it's a little bit tough to let go of the reins on whatever side of the football it is and, and become just strictly the, the CEO, if you will. But is he, is he still pretty hands-on with the defense, or has he been able to, to do that a little bit? Yeah, I, I think he's a very smart guy, and I think very prepared to be a head coach. This is his first head coaching job. But I think he knows that he can't be as hands-on as maybe he would like to be, or certainly not as much as he was at LSU and Wisconsin before that when he was the D.C. there. So I, I think you know he's got input, definitely. But I think he trusts Ron Roberts, who's our defensive coordinator, and he really trusts that staff, that side of the ball. So I would say he uh, you know, lets them do their job, and he does uh, do his job, which is, you know, there's enough to do when you're the head coach without sort of, uh, you know, sticking your nose in maybe uh, in the defense more than a head coach should. You know, for a lot of these matchups, it's his first time through the league. But with Oklahoma, again, when you consider the, the college football playoff a year ago, he's faced the Sooners. You know, it was a different group, obviously, defensively, and, and certainly with Oklahoma's offense, considerably different from Jalen Hurts to Spencer Rattler. But there is at least a familiarity with Lincoln Riley. That's a good point. Now, I asked him about that on the coaches' show this week, and uh, the, the first thing he brought up was the offensive line. He, he talked about Oklahoma's offensive line was young last year, and Bill Biedenboe, he knows him and really has great respect for him. They coached together uh, way back, I think at Texas Tech is where they were together. Uh, but that's the first thing he mentioned was it was a young offensive line last year that uh, he, when he was in LSU, you know, faced in Oklahoma in the Peach Bowl. Uh, but then those guys are all back, and he's talking about how much they've improved and how, how much, uh, you know, they've got that much more experience uh, this go around than last year. So I, I think he can kind of draw on things like that, having seen Oklahoma a year ago, and now he's seen him uh, for the first time here as the Baylor head coach. The other side of the ball is probably the most intriguing matchup for me, and, and a lot of it is because with Oklahoma, we've kind of, at least here, just thrown any expectations of the defense out the window for years. And for the first time in a long time, I think there's legitimate excitement about what that defensive line especially looks like and how disruptive they've been over the last five weeks. So I guess in asking questions about the Baylor offense, I have to start with the offensive line. In that specific matchup, how has the offensive line for Baylor played to this point? And, and I know they've had some injury issues. What's kind of their status going into this week? Yeah, and that's going to be a huge test this week against OU because that defensive front uh, for, for Oklahoma is just so impressive. 
probably the best, you know, I'd have to sit and think about it, but probably the best in the Big 12. Uh, West Virginia's got those two big tackles. Those guys are really good. But across the board, uh, I think OU's is probably the best that Baylor will see this year. Your question about our offensive line, that, that was a real issue uh, for a large part of the season, really, because we had guys in and out uh, with COVID, with injuries, and uh, just really in the last three weeks has, uh, has that line started to stabilize. And I think it's a big part of uh, just having everybody there, having your five starters there, and being able to go through practice. Uh, together, you know, there's there's that cohesiveness that has to take place in an offensive line, and Baylor just didn't have that because guys were in and out even in practice during the week, much less in the game. And so to get get together, have practice time together, I think we've really seen the improvement there. Should be 100 percent healthy for the game against Oklahoma, and man, they're going to need to be against that OU defense. Speaking of the offensive line, what on earth happened to Joe Wickline? <laughs> Isn't that a crazy story? (laughs) He's he's our offensive line coach, and apparently, I didn't see any of this during the game, but Dave talked about it on his press conference Monday, and then on our coaches show Wednesday. Apparently, uh, somebody ran into the sidelines, and and Coach Wickline got cleated uh, to the point that it opened a gash on his hand and on his leg. And Coach Aranda said at one point, he goes back there to talk to the offensive line, there's all these towels with blood on it, you know, laying around like it's a war zone back there. And, uh, you know, he just kind of went back to, you know, doing what he was doing. And, and finally, uh, one of our trainer, Matt Keel, at one point, uh, well, he took Coach Wickline in to get him stitched up. You know, it's the coach in the middle of the game that they have to <laughs> stitch up during the game. And Matt Keel, our trainer, comes and tells uh, Coach Aranda, he said, Wick is, uh, Wick is back. He's okay. And Coach Aranda said, what? <laughs> like he wasn't computing. Said Coach Wickline, he's back. He's okay. And, and Dave said, he said, okay. He didn't really understand or he didn't know, you know, what had happened. But here's Wickline. It goes in, gets, uh, uh, you know, uh, he, he gets sewed up and he comes back out to coach and he's none the worse for wear for it. So uh, that's a tough coach when you can do that on the sidelines and then continue in the game. He's uh, most people here remember him from from Oklahoma State and, and right, how good right. you know that group was when he was here and, right. and you know I think a lot of people still remember him simply because it's been a, a hard recovery for the Cowboys as far as the offensive line since he's left they've they've struggled to to really settle that group in uh, consistently but if anybody if that's going to happen to anybody and they're they're going to come back <laughs> stitched up and wrapped up and bandaged up I, I feel like Joe Wickline is is just the guy that you wouldn't necessarily be surprised by. That's exactly right. I mean, he's kind of the epitome of an offensive line coach, big guy, rides a motorcycle, you know, <laughs> all those things. So, yeah, you're exactly right. If it's going to happen to anybody, he's the guy. How how has Charlie Brewer played this year? I, I know it's it's not been the season maybe that he anticipated, but um, as far as criticism, is, is a lot of that justified? Is he just making the, the best of the situation he's been given? Yeah, Colby, I think uh, Charlie's been up and down, and and, and uh, I think he would say that, too. I think Charlie would tell you that he hasn't played as well as he wanted to or expected to. And I really think a, a large part of that goes back to, uh, you know, the coaching change, new offense, new offensive coordinator in Larry Fedora, who you know, uh, and just the changes that go along with that. And then going back to no spring, you know, I, that's not yeah. an excuse. I think that's legitimate that they didn't have the spring to get to know each other, to implement, you know, what uh, Coach Fedora wanted to do on offense. 
so it's kind of been learning, uh, you know, on the on the on the fly, you know, learning in game. And Charlie's had some flashes, you know, where he looked like his old self and looked really good, but inconsistent, you know, for the most part of the season. But man, he played great against K State last week, especially in the second half. He really got going uh, with thirty-one of thirty-nine, three hundred forty-eight yards passing against Kansas State, uh, throwing for touchdowns, running for touchdowns. And, and led the game-winning drive. They had to drive down the field and get a game-winning field goal with the final gun to win it. And that's, that's Bennett Charlie Brewer right there. To put the ball in his hands with a chance to win the game, and he does it. He's done that six times in his Baylor career in the fourth quarter game-winning drive. And that was Bennett Charlie Brewer, and that was really fun to see. And the criticism, I think, is, uh, I think is unfounded. You know, backup quarterback is sometimes always the most popular guy on any team. <laughs> right. But but with the inconsistency that Charlie had, uh, you know, some of our fans said, let's see what Gary Bohannon or let's see what Jacob Zeno can do. But Charlie gives us the best chance to win, and I really like him. He's had a great career here at Baylor. Well, he's he's a tough guy. You know, he adds the, the running dimension. And I, I admittedly, I've not seen a ton of Baylor football this year, but almost I feel like every time I'm watching, he is the, the rushing attack. Well, that's true. And uh, he had a big running game. I think he had 23 carries in the win over Kansas State. And I think that is, you know, when you try to rein him in, when you try to control him, and I think that's what was happening early on. They just wanted to keep him uh, upright, you know, wanted to keep him healthy. So they wanted to limit his runs. And I think that, you know, put a bit in his mouth to the point that, you know, we weren't seeing the full package from Charlie Brewer. So maybe, uh, you know, when it gets down to it, that's a great option that you can't really take away from him and can't take away from the offense. As far as you, you mentioned this team playing close games down the stretch and, and certainly kind of finding some level of consistency, what do you feel like they figured out in, in these last three games where they've been a little bit more competitive? You know, I, I know the, the slow starts against Texas and TCU were, were issues, um, and, and they were able to, you know, not, not dig themselves those holes the last three weeks. But is there anything specifically or maybe multiple things that, that you can kind of pinpoint that you've been able to, to perceive as significantly improved? I think, uh, you know, I just think a continued uh, progression with the offensive line, those guys working well together. Uh, you know, we haven't had a healthy backfield, running backfield all year. Uh, you would, I thought coming into this year with John Lovett and Preston Ebner as senior tailbacks and then uh, Craig Squirrel Williams, you know, as their backup, um, I, I thought we had a really good uh, crop of running backs back there. But John Lovett has been injured in and out. Preston Ebner has been injured in and out. They just haven't been healthy. They haven't been healthy together much at all this year. So I think that has really hampered our running game. But we had both those guys uh, healthy and available for K-State. That made a difference. And uh, I I just think it's a continued improvement, kind of a steady climb toward uh, the, the way the offense needs to play for Baylor to be successful. Um, you know, nothing, nothing in particular, just everybody, you know, everybody doing their part. Right. Um, you know, at times the receivers, uh, RJ Snead in particular has made uh, circus catches. I mean, unbelievable catches this year. And, and that's just, you know, that extra effort that everybody has to give for Baylor to be successful. I know there's still a couple of big games. Obviously nobody is overlooking those, but reading over the press conference notes from this past week, I, I, uh, I noticed there was a question about you know the importance of maybe gaining some momentum to go into this offseason and kind of 
you know, just feeling confident going into next year. So I guess my question is, without overlooking completely what's going to happen the next two weeks, thoughts on, on where this team is and just kind of the development? Because obviously in year one, it's not a guarantee that you're just going to have all this success out of the gate with Dave Aranda and a new coaching staff. So is, is he kind of getting things at least to this point where he wants them for maybe a 2021 run? Yeah, good question. And, and you know, not only year one, but year one in a global pandemic. Also, <laughs> right. You know, and, and for a first-year head coach, the guy has never been a head coach before. So you factor all of that in. And I think, I really do think that uh, given the results of the last three weeks, they are trending upward. You know, and that's good. That's what you want to see. You want to see them playing their best, you know, in November and now into December. And I think that's what we're seeing. You know, a close loss on the road at Iowa State. Had a lead early and, and lost it late. Uh, lost on a last-second field goal at Texas Tech, or that would have been another win right there. And then the win over Kansas State to find a way to win. You know, and play 60 minutes, put a full game together and win that game. So I think they're trending upward. And uh, by no means are they, you know, saying, uh, you know, let's just look to let next year, plan for next year. They want to win over Oklahoma. They want to win over Oklahoma State the next week and continue that upward trend, which would be uh, really good if they could continue that climb these last two weeks. And, uh, you know, that would be a very positive going into the offseason and going into the next season. Earlier this week, I was talking to somebody about the Jalen Hurts come from behind win in Waco last year and then obviously the Big 12 championship matchup. And it's it's so crazy to me that that was just last season. It, it feels yeah. like a lifetime ago. Yeah, doesn't it? I mean, that is crazy to think that was uh, that was a year ago. Baylor had a twenty-eight to three lead here in Waco in the regular season game, like thirty-one to ten at halftime. And here comes Jalen Hurts, and uh, lo and behold, the Sooners won that game over Baylor. It was a great game. It was a tough loss for the Bears but really emblematic of, of the kind of uh, player that Hurts was and the kind of season that OU had last year. So, uh, yeah, it does seem like a long time ago in the Big 12 championship game in Arlington, an overtime game, another really good game between these two. So, uh, two tough losses for Baylor, but, uh, you know, they play uh, at a really high level to be in the games uh, as well as they were with Oklahoma. As far as this matchup with the Sooners in 2020, what would you say are, are maybe the the keys, if you will, for, for Dave Aranda preaching to this team about how they could get this done? Yeah, I mean, I, there's probably a bunch. I think uh, I think OU's really got it going now. Uh, they almost spotted the field and said, we'll give you a head start. We'll drop our first two conference games, <laughs> and then we'll get going. And now they, they are going. And I think a big part of uh, OU getting going was getting Ramondre Stevenson back in the backfield. Uh, he's playing lights out, uh, getting Ronnie Perkins back, you know, on the defensive front. Uh, he has been really, really good. And then uh, maybe the continued growth of Spencer Rattler, you know, freshman who's got some games under his belt now and, and uh, he's playing better also. Um, all of those things, I think, have uh, helped Oklahoma get to this point and the wins, you know, the five straight wins that they have. Um, so that's what Taylor has to, to counter uh, counterbalance. Uh, they got to stop slow down the, the running attack, running attack. Uh, Dave Aranda said that the running backs for Oklahoma is the best group of running backs of any team in the league. And then, uh, you know, that defensive front we talked about, it's so good. Baylor's got to try to find a way to run the ball. And that's been difficult. You know, we've not been good in that area this year, but uh, if you can find a way to run the ball, I think that would be big. 
And then just uh, Charlie Brewer, you know, doing what he can do, you know, a senior veteran quarterback, if he can play well, that would be really big. Um, and, and uh, you know, playing on the road, uh, even with limited crowds, uh, that's always a, you know, a, a tough proposition, especially playing there in Norman. So I think those are some of the things that Baylor has to do and do well uh, seeing the game against Oklahoma. All right, before I let you run, I've got to ask you about this basketball team because I was pretty excited for the matchup last night. I I think they are maybe the most fun team to watch, not just in the Big 12, but in the country. I I really like Scott Drew's group this year. Boy, isn't it fun? And they start out 3-0, and the game you referenced was a win over Frank Illinois last night where they had a stretch in the second half, and they turned a tight game into a 16-point lead and won by 13. And the guard play is just off the charts with this team. There's so much firepower with this team, and it is mainly uh, in the guards. There's a rotation of uh, really six guys in there in that guard uh, position that are all really, really good. Uh, and these guys, you know, were disappointed. They thought they had a chance to, to get to the Final Four and maybe win a national championship last year, and it got cut short when they couldn't go into the Big 12 tournament or the NCAA tournament. And Freddie Gillespie is gone from that team, but everybody else is back. And so I think they really have, uh, you know, a, a focus of, you know, playing a great season this year. And Coach Drew is scheduled that way. That game with number one Gonzaga coming up on Saturday. You can tell how a coach feels about his team by the way he's scheduled. And Coach Drew is scheduled some really <laughs> tough games. And uh, so it's off to a really good start. Uh, Saturday will be uh, really fun to watch the number one, number two teams in the nation. Uh, and then when we get to Big 12 play right after that, man, that's going to be a knockdown drag out uh, every night because the league overall has, uh, has played really well here early in the season. Yeah, no question. I mean, Kansas gets a win over Kentucky a couple nights ago, and, and obviously everybody understands how good they are every single year. But, uh, you know, West Virginia played uh, – really tight a couple nights ago and and just, you know, fell behind at the end to, to that Gonzaga team you just mentioned. Texas just wins the the Maui Invitational over North Carolina. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. It's, it's going to be really exciting. I, I got to ask you about Jared Butler because I, I think he's one of the best players, not just in the Big 12, but in the country. And, you know, maybe Cade Cunningham has something to say about the Conference Player of the Year honors. But in my mind, this this dude is in the driver's seat. Yeah, he's great. He really is. And he's a great person to boot. Great player and a great person. And uh, we love having him here at Baylor. You know, he, he dipped his toe in the NBA waters in the offseason. He and Macy O'Dee kind of said, you know, check their NBA draft stock and then decided they wanted to come back. And that was just huge. I mean, those are the two best recruits Coach Drew got this year. We're getting those two guys to come back. And, uh, you know, that's part of that guard uh, uh combo that Baylor has with those two, and then Davion Mitchell, Adam Flagler, redshirted last year. He led Baylor in scoring last night with 18 points. So they're, you know, they're, again, are a lot of weapons, a lot of firepower for Baylor, and Jared Butler is top of the list. Mark Vidal might be one of my, my favorite players in the in the league, and, and I think he's widely underrated. I mean, just in terms of what he gives them every single night. Yeah, no question. Nobody here underrates him because uh, <laughs> we know what he brings and right. what he gives, but He's six five, you know. Don't don't forget that he's six five, but he's down there banging with the, the seven footers and getting his share of rebounds. And he just works so hard, you know. You, you just watch him, see how hard he works on the offensive glass and defensive boards, and just how hard he plays. Uh, he, he's easy to uh, be a fan of, you know, just by his uh, work ethic 
and how hard he plays every game out. Well, they're going to be a they're a fun team. I think they're the best team in this league. They're going to be a tough out without a doubt. But you're right, the Big Twelve this year is maybe as good as any league in the country, and it's going to be fun to watch them them battle all the way through. Yeah, I think so too. The league's off to a great start, as when you mentioned, and uh, hopeful of Oklahoma finally getting going. <laughs> no been, doubt, it's been delay after delay. So hopefully, Coach Kruger and uh, Oklahoma can start tonight. You know, speaking of that, I I, I was kind of worried all week that that we would even get this Oklahoma Baylor football game in, and right. and I think I kind of set the market Thursday today as being maybe the day that I'll start to feel confident about it. But it looks like uh, all things are a go. It does, and uh, we we kind of got the report yesterday, um, you know, that, that things were looking good, that it would happen. So that's a good thing. I, I'm glad that, that we're going to get to uh, this game. Oh, you've had its issues, but every school has had its issues, you know, with this. So I'm glad that, that uh, they're going to be back to the point that we can play on Saturday night. Absolutely. John, always appreciate it, my friend. We'll catch up again soon. Colby, always great to visit with you. I appreciate you having me on. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. John Morris, play-by-play voice of the Baylor Bears. My guest covering the TCU Horn Frogs is Drew Davison with the Fort Worth Star-Telegram. Drew, it's kind of been an interesting season for this TCU team, 4-4. Four and four. Overall impression right now of where they are at this point in the season? Yeah, Colby, I mean, they're, they're a young team. Uh, the starting quarterback, Max Duggan, had a, a heart condition that kind of sidelined him a lot of fall camp uh so it took him a while to get going but you've kind of just seen a lot of inexperience and, and some young mistakes uh on the team they've got a pretty small senior class but uh they are getting better as the season goes along i mean they started off with a lot of offensive line questions they lost their top four offensive linemen from last season uh, it's taken them a while by no means are they a, a great offensive line but you have seen some improvements there they've been able to established the running game here of late, winning three of four. Um, so I, I think you're starting to see, you know, some pieces come into place where TCU has some decent building blocks for the future. Uh, but as far as this season, you, you know, clearly, um, you know, they, they did not get back to the level uh, they hoped to, and that's obviously competing for the Big 12 championship. When you look at, at these two teams with Oklahoma State and TCU getting ready for this matchup on Saturday, by the numbers, I mean, these teams are, are very similar from a points-per-game standpoint, from a points-allowed-per-game, from a total yardage standpoint on both sides of the football. I mean, both teams, I think the strength of, of the team is the defense. Both teams have had, I think, inconsistent offenses. It's it's just kind of crazy when you start looking at the numbers, how similar the two teams are. Yeah, and, you know, the last two years, if I'm not mistaken, these this game's been decided by a touchdown. So um, I, I would expect another fairly close game, one score uh, type affair. And like you said, you know, I, I would actually think it's low scoring. You know, so, sometimes we'll assume these games, especially in the Big 12, are going to be high scoring. But like you said, when you look at these defenses, when you look at both offenses right now, rely heavily on the running game. So I think time of possession and, and just the opportunities may be a little bit more limited than in some other Big 12 games. So, uh, I do expect a close game. I expect a fairly low-scoring game as well. You mentioned the offensive line, and that was the biggest concern coming into the season for TCU. As far as facing that Oklahoma State defense that's been outstanding nearly all season, uh, how do you feel like that group is prepared for this matchup? Well, it's certainly going to be a bigger test than last week against Kansas. And, <laughs> you know, they, they, they looked great against Kansas at 330-some-odd rushing yards. Uh, but, again, you know, KU, I think we all know, is the worst team in the Big 12. So it's 
it's kind of hard to gauge, you know, just how much they that game and, and how much stock to put into that game. But, uh, but no, I, I mean, I do think TCU will have a chance to have some success in the running game. Uh, and not necessarily just based on the offensive line, but they, they've got a pretty good stable of running backs. Zach Evans was a five-star prospect coming out of co- or coming out of high school. He had his first hundred-yard rushing game last week. Uh, they got a kid named Darwin Barlow, who is another standout uh, at Newton, Texas, a redshirt freshman, and, and he's been pretty good. So I do think you know they're going to have an opportunity. And if there is one weakness in Oklahoma State's defense, it's against the run. So I do think TC is going to try and establish the run like they've done here the last few games. As far as the offense throughout the season, has the success just mostly been predicated on the offensive line, or or is there another maybe major part that you're noticing as far as the swings from maybe the good performances and the not-so-good performances? Yeah, I, I mean, I, it's one of those things, that, you know, every game, I guess, is, is somewhat different. You know, just when they look good, Run, run blocking, maybe they struggle in pass protection or, or vice versa. And, and I do think, you know, Max Duggan just needs to keep getting comfortable, needs to get more experience um, because, you know, he's kind of still has those ups and downs, uh, the peaks and valleys of a, of a young quarterback. And, and, you know, he missed all spring ball, missed a lot of tr- fall camp, like I mentioned. Uh, you know, and, and I guess everyone always points to the quarterback, but if you just look at Max Duggan, some days he's looked great you know, throwing the ball and, and very accurate. And, and then other days, like at Kansas, three of 11, granted all three completions went for touchdowns, but uh, certainly, you know, you, you would hope that the passing game uh, would have improved a little bit more by now. I think what when you think TCU football, one of the expectations every single year is that Gary Patterson's defense is going to be one of the best in the conference. How do you view that group this year? I, I mean, the numbers, you know, they're, they're not the best in the conference, but they're certainly uh, still right there, you, you know, as one of the, the top defenses. They, they've gotten beat at times. They've been prone to giving up the big play this year. Uh, but this is a team that has, you know, still has quite a bit of talent. The secondary, especially the cornerback position, they've been kind of banged up as far as injuries, and, and there's some depth concerns. So it'll be interesting kind of how they handle Oklahoma State. Uh, wide receiver corps highlighted by Tylen Wallace, of course. But, uh, you know, they, they've got a couple safeties who will probably be playing on Sundays in the future and, and Trey Merrig and Ardarius Washington. They've got uh, a potential linebacker who could be playing on Sundays and Garrett Wallow. And then the defensive line, it's kind of much like their offensive line. It's, it's been a work in progress. They lost their best defensive tackle, Corey Bethley, but uh, they do have some young, promising talent there. Uh, Oshawn Mathis, especially on the edge. Oshawn Mathis is a sophomore edge rusher. He's had, I believe, six sacks the last three games. And then they got a true freshman who's really stepped up, Kari Coleman. Uh, and I think he'll be a name, you know, people will know by the end of his college career. I mentioned the similarities to these two teams, and you just brought up the safety tandem. I, I think for me, Oklahoma State and, and TCU might have the best two safety tandems in the entire country. Oh, yeah, no question. And I, I do think, you know, obviously I think it's no coincidence that Gundy and, and Gary Patterson are the two longest tenured coaches in the Big 12 because, you know, with the spread offense and, and things like that, you obviously need uh, – the, there's a premium on safety play. I know, you know, the NFL, I don't think there's a safety draft in the first round, but certainly at the college level, the safety still a premium position. And, 
And those two coaches obviously know the importance of that, especially, you know, when it comes to slowing down some of those air raid offenses. As far as this matchup, if you had to pick a couple things that have to happen for TCU to win this game, what would you point at maybe on both sides of the ball? Well, offensively, they've got, you know, to continue running the ball and, and kind of that's been their bread and butter and their wins. They've had they've hit the 200 rush mark uh, in all four of their wins. So they've got to be able to, to continue doing that. And defensively, um, you know, it's, it's not rocket science, so they, they've got to create some turnovers. And that's kind of – takeaways have kind of been hit and miss. They've kind of come in bunches uh, for, for the Horned Frogs. So they, they certainly need – you know, to maybe try and steal a possession or two from Oklahoma State and force a turnover um, to, to get things going in their direction. Drew, always appreciate the time, my friend. Uh, you know, I'm glad we're, we're able to truck through this football season. There was a lot of doubt at the beginning of the year, but we are getting there for sure. Oh, yeah. No, it's definitely better than, uh, you know, I, I was worried I might be writing news or, or education <laughs> right. or, or, or some other beat like that this fall, so. Uh, but a football season's a football season. Amen, brother. Drew Davison with the Fort Worth Star-Telegram joining me on the Colby Daniels Podcast. That is it for this episode of the Colby Daniels Podcast, presented by Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Check out their line of natural medicine products. You can visit their website, abotanicalcompany.com, or give them a call and ask questions, 405-458-9699. Educate yourself on what they have available and how it can improve your daily life. That's what they're all about, helping people live a better life. Artisan Botanicals in Midwest City. Again, easy to order online, easy and safe pickup, abotanicalcompany.com. All right, that is it for this episode. Uh, if you want to contact me or message me about anything that we talked about in the show, feel free to do so at Colby underscore Daniels on Twitter, Colby.Daniels on Instagram. Everybody stay safe, have a great day, and I will talk to you tomorrow. Podcast is over.